Welcome back to Conscious Sedation. We know we've been away for a while, but we back. We've been gone for a minute. Now we back with the jump off. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what that that's. That's Lil' Kim. I don't I have no idea what that song that's is. That's Lil' Kim. Lil that's Kim. like early two thousand Kim. Oh, okay. She I, was back with the jump off. Mm-mm. The Fair. only thing I Oh, y'all know that song. I'm gonna play it for y'all. Okay. Okay. I swear I'm up. The one that was like I don't know what that no. is. <laughs> it's a no. It's a no. Whatever. Um, so yeah, we back and in full effect and now we're recording again. So we're very happy. We know you guys missed us. We miss you too. I legit had people cut ready to cuss me out because we had been gone for way too long. Same. Yeah. My daughters were like so. <laughs> So you still podcasting you or not? Still know those people. <laughs> so y'all still friends or not? Yeah, yeah. But we're back and we're very happy to be back. I know I personally am. So hopefully you guys will enjoy our return just as much as we have. And while we've been gone, we've been working on our craft a little bit. Hair flip. Um, I was like, did they see that? <laughs> well, they saw our new cover art, or they should have seen our new cover art. Definitely. Which, oh my. <laughs> yeah, they got it when I said it. Um, but yeah, so the cover art is new. And then we got some other new things in store for you guys, so we're really excited. Um, can we go ahead and get started with hashtags from the last shift, which was a good while ago, but... First, let me play this little Kim for y'all. Oh, my goodness. Because I found it. Oh, okay. my goodness. Yeah. Y'all got to hear it. Because y'all ain't going to make me look like I'm a girl. Okay, now wait yes. for that little thing that I was just talking about. Here you hey. go. Here you go. Wait. That is not nothing it. like what no, Tasha did. Definitely what? not. Nothing. No. That's exactly it's what I said. No. Viewers, okay. go ahead. Viewers and listeners, go no. ahead and rewind that back. You know what? what Tasha did. Play it back. Good time. <laughs> Whoa. That's okay. what it was. But Whoa. that's not that first sound you made. That was. Okay. Y'all yeah, trick. It'll be a hashtag next week. <laughs> hashtag. Boom. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and say it now. <laughs> hashtag haters. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's oh. always your hashtag. No, uh-huh. it's not. But it is this time. They're definitely going to do it. What y'all got? Hashtag. What is yours? Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to go first. Okay. Hashtag the. <laughs> <laughs> because you had multiple hashtags, Ryan. <laughs> and so we were like, hashtag the, because we thought that it was only supposed to be. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have done like five for like two prior weeks. You did I like three. I definitely had. Yes. No. I've or, done, or I've done three to a couple. What? Let's know mm. you be having multiple. Let's be honest. Well. You definitely had almost three one time. Mm-hmm. And one then you turned time. right around you and had every week. <laughs> yeah, it was like weeks in a row, like three weeks in a row. And okay. you had like six mindful moments and shit. It was off the chain. Right. Because that makes Super total mindful. sense. That I had <laughs> two mindful. Because that makes sense. That I had six mindful moments. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> hashtag the. That's my hashtag. Brian, what's yours? Hashtag eye roll. <laughs> I wish I could put a, that eye roll emoji right here. Just put it on you right now. Nope. Mm-hmm. I may or may not have had another hashtag, but I'm not going to say it because you guys have shamed me. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Now the hashtag. Anyway, shame. I mm-hmm. feel like you're okay. allowed to have two 
Sometimes. Whose rule is this? Sometimes. You, yours. Because when I shift two, yes. when I had more than one, y'all were raining down on me hard. Because you had two hashtags, uh, and you had two mindful moments. Swear to God, it was like a, <laughs> a, a two for two. It was oh. a double decker. Yet I have always <laughs> had my allotted number. <laughs> One of each. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Hashtag. I ain't gonna lie, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Yolo, make one up. <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, hashtag do what you gotta do to make shit work. Okay. Because the last couple of shifts we Skyped oh, to record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were like on location, satellite. We had to do what we had to do. We Our lives it. were crazy. Our schedules were not meshing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I didn't have a hashtag last time either. Mm-hmm. I, re- okay. I feel like I remember mm-hmm. <laughs> saying that. What about we? Do, how about we do welcome back hashtags? Welcome back Are we hashtags. Okay mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at Tiff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Whatever. All right. Tiff, what you got? So, a welcome back hashtag. I have a jump. And oh my god <laughs> you guys will see shortly what that oh has to Lord. do with but we had some fun pictures that we took as our like welcome back to uh the podcast so hopefully you guys get to laugh we were hot and sweaty man i was about to say a bit was sweating okay it was, it was hot. hot yeah it was hot and i mean it luckily cardio. it wasn't like hot hot super hot yeah yeah that mm-hmm. mm, yeah hashtag yeah. nope Tiffany broke one of my ribs <laughs> while we were <laughs> while we were <laughs> Tiffany got hops. Hashtag Tiffany got hops. Yeah, she got up. So. Hashtag stay in the air. <laughs> Just stay in the air. Which was a clear directive for me, okay, to stay in the air. And I was like, okay. Sure. I'll get right on that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm right on top of that, Rose. You guys remember that from that movie? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What movie? I do remember. Something about the babysitter. It was the babysitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Babies, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't see that. That's good. No, wow. Yeah. That was a good movie. It was cute. I'll have to check it out. Is it on Netflix? You might have been too young because it came. I was younger when it came out, so you might have been. It's an early 90s kind of film. It's really, it's cute though. Don't, the babysitter's dead? What? Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. So the whole premise is, is that. No, no, okay. no. My girls This lady it. went okay. out of town and left her three kids at home with the babysitter. Well, the babysitter ended up dying. And the older sister was, like, trying to keep everything afloat and, like, work and all that stuff while mom was okay. gone for the summer. So Gotcha. Okay. I was like, it's so scary. Mm-hmm. I can't watch it. No, it's not scary. My girls <laughs> no. watch it. It's a movie. comedy. Right. I think they've actually redone it, too. Oh, they have a re- a new one. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. All right. So um, next up, we have our mindful moment. So we're going to remember our music. Y'all remember that? Oh That's my a god! That's a hashtag listen. recap. Oh <laughs> I may have listened to that episode yesterday, and I heard this click, 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 click. Like of me turning this music down, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is so cheesy!" But that's okay. We're growing. It we is what it, it is, right? We exactly. We tried it. We tried it. So give us an E for effort, and know that I am the sound <coughs> engineer of this whole shit, and I'm a nurse by trade. So I'm doing my best. Okay. There you go. So yeah, let's get into our mindful moments real quick. Tiff, where you at? What you mindful of? Um, this week. Since kind of like the weather's changing, I am mindful of seasons, yes. like they're like either in your life or just like in the world general, like 
just to remember that whatever's going on, it doesn't last, like, forever. So mm -hmm. if you feel like stuff is stressful or if you feel like stuff is, like, depressing or even if you feel happy, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, super happy sometimes, just remember that stuff doesn't last, like, forever and that there's, like, another portion of your life that's coming so just to be ready and be flexible for changes mm -hmm. indeed that's great help you live indeed <laughs> that's great autumn is actually one of my favorite seasons I so like i am very excited <laughs> for the season change although i'm looking in my closet like i can't fit my jeans oh my gosh and I, it's so funny because i, I tell too. people i was all moomoo's all summer 17 that was mm -hmm. my thing just flowy everything <laughs> and now Mm -hmm. Driving the sweaters. Mm -hmm. So sweaters. <laughs> I'll let y'all know how that plays out. Mm -hmm. uh, my mindful moment this week is, um, you know, today is September, and August is um, lots of breastfeeding stuff going on in August, and I am mindful of the ability to learn and then relearn. Um, in the in the world in general right now, there are lots of discussions about racial equity, um, but it's really, really heavy, I feel like, in the maternal child health um, field right now. And um, lots of talk about privilege and white privilege and, of course, lots of damn white tears. Hashtag sweet baby Jesus. Um, but also there are so many women, white women in general, in particular, I mean, who are really trying to make headway to acknowledge their privilege and there's so many women who are um, being great allies and trying to join the fight and um, leading the charge they're not leading the charge in the black community but they're really trying to lead the charge among white women and being a sort of resource for them to a person to go to to talk things out which is amazing because it doesn't place the burden on black women mm -hmm. on black people because mm -hmm. it's not our responsibility to educate you about your privilege and tell you how to do xyz jesse williams already told you and so um it's really amazing and so i'm very just mindful of that so um mindful of allies and the ability to learn and then relearn so we can't control what we've learned we can't control our past but we are in control of our right now and we're in control of our future and so you can unlearn some of the things that you've learned and then relearn how to do things better. And so I'm mindful of that. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> I do hear things about the conference, and we can, I guess, talk about that a little bit mm -hmm. later. Hopefully that was a nice experience for you and being able to get away and stuff like that is always a good thing. Um, this week, I am mindful of all of the um, victims of Hurricane Harvey and very grateful that I am on dry land, yes. and I have been for a very long time. Um, having had like a flood in my house, just something mechanical, I know the damage that water can do. Um, and so people have lost everything that they have. So I'm mindful of trying to find ways that I can get back and donate um, just to be helpful, you know what I'm saying, to try and make a positive mark and, and do something that's going to affect a positive result on that front. I know there's lots of nursing assignments coming up and FEMA stuff, and um, people are flocking to that area to try and take care of, you know, their fellow humankind. So I'm mindful of that today and that we have beautiful weather here in Indianapolis, and I'm grateful for that. 
I'm going to just piggyback and continue on a little bit with that, what you're saying. One, with the people who are going down there to take assignments, albeit medical assignments or contracting or um, FEMA or Red Cross, whatever you're doing, just go down there with the right intentions. I mean, I know that they're paying very well for y'all to go down there mm-hmm. and work, um, but don't do it for the money because mm-hmm. people there need so much more than for you to be there for the money. So that look, just that little Mm-hmm. tidbit right there um, also you talked about people have lost everything that they have mm-hmm. and I was listening to the radio and there was a guest on and he was talking about how everybody considers the tangible things that people have lost um, and he went on to talk about <clears throat> the trauma mm-hmm. of being in some of those situations because some people were stuck for days and they're flooded homes and um, some people just the trauma and so I hadn't considered that part of it and so I just wanted us to all consider that and be mindful that I mean of course people lost their clothes and their homes um, people also lost mem- um, like their memories pictures and you know things that have been passed down from generations those types of things but also the mental health of the people that are there so if you have loved ones who are in those um, areas just make sure you're checking in on their mental health that's very important and something that we throw under the rug all of the time. We think, oh, we're better now. We're, we're rescued or we're not living in a shelter anymore. In six months, we'll be done. Forgot about Harvey, but they will be living with that forever, particularly the children. Imagine when you're in a fragile state, when your your brain is making all these imprints, and that's an imprint that's going to be in their brain. And so just consider that. Make sure you check in with people. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, more on that, like what you were saying about things that they've lost, this is something that they've gained like a traumatic experience that is going to be with them for a while, just like 9-11 or mm-hmm. anything, which, you know, will be coming up soon. But, you know, anytime they hear a hurricane or mm-hmm. have rain or whatever, there's going to be triggers that sure. put them right back in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful for the lives that have been spared and um, send my condolences for the lives that have been lost for people who were victims of the hurricane itself and also people whose lives were lost trying to help. Because there are people who ended up losing their lives as support people, cops, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. That's my mindful moment. And Great. Where I am, Tiff, you have anything to add? I just want to say shout out to all the healthcare workers there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was tough as things mm-hmm. were happening. Mm-hmm. And you guys knew that you couldn't get off work. You knew yeah. you had to stay mm-hmm. for extra shifts till people were able to come Absolutely. back to work. And I know that would be hard, even... Just in if in my life, That's if I was yeah. on the unit and you're like, okay, night shift's not coming, mm-hmm. and the next day shift's not coming, mm-hmm. and who knows when release exactly. is coming, especially yeah. if you have a family. I think about it all the time mm-hmm. as a nurse, um, but especially you know my my role. I'm supposed to be um, an emergency prepared responder in the, in a disaster. And I think about all the time, like, oh, my gosh, what if I had to report for, you know, an emergency situation and, like, leave my family mm-hmm. behind? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I've signed up for. And mm-hmm. I, I agree right with you. That would be really hard to do. And so, yes, big shout out to y'all. Thankless mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that, too, when you were talking, like, not only, like, okay, I'm stuck at work, but I couldn't imagine so, pushing my own stuff to the back. Like, mm-hmm. what is my home looking right. like? What is my family Mm-hmm. doing how are they managing yes you know because mm-hmm. people lost power people um didn't have water for a long time and so i don't know if cell service was going but if you lost power it didn't matter if cell service was up if your phone was dead that's right or like gas like yeah i saw there was Heat, like huge, food, uh, yeah. 
huge hikes with gas and the oh, gas yeah. stations didn't have gas and it's like yeah. ride around on E and just think you're gonna mm-hmm. get to the next place and you can't mm-hmm. you're just stuck for another reason so yeah yeah so there's many ripples and waves mm-hmm. no pun intended about you know a natural disaster and what happens in those moments and how people pull together and you know thankfully I, I've seen in those moments lots of humanity absolutely and so I can appreciate that um I know that there are so many times, especially when you're watching the media and looking at things that happen around you where you feel like the humanity is lost. But it's moments like this where everybody's lost everything and nothing matters. But life or death, literally, and people pull through, yeah, come together. You know, I've seen lots of rescue times where people have formed a human chain to get this person out of a car or this flooded Mm -hmm. area or whatever. So that is really... um, good to see i hate that it comes to this sort of thing but it is nice to see that people are still not just out for themselves yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely just human Mm -hmm. so yeah um on our last shift we discussed that we were going to talk about um work-life balance but we bored okay so we're not going to talk about that this this shift because we've been away for so long we've had lots of questions in our inbox so we're going to clear our inbox for more so please email us at um, getsthedata705 at gmail.com send any questions or concerns that you may have topics that you want to hear us discuss you can send those to our inbox again it's getsthedata705 at gmail.com you can also email us or inbox us you can you know <laughs> slide up in our DMs <laughs> right just this once um, on Instagram and we are um, conscious underscore sedation on Instagram on Facebook again you can find us at get sedated 705 and inbox us there if you have any concerns so Tiff you want to take it away we're going to go ahead into our inbox report now what we got all right so we got inbox report and um, the first We've got kind of a couple questions, so I'll just kind of read the question, and then we'll just kind of answer them that way. Fair enough. So, the first one, um, it's saying since number 45 has stated that he's going to let Obamacare, or also known as the Affordable Care Act, fail and provide us with this care for everyone, if this care doesn't end up covering everyone, what do you think will happen to those that end up with no health care? And then also, how does this affect uh, doctors and nurses? Uh, who would like to tackle this first? I'll speak to how initially we can, you know, let's get some history so that we can have some context. When we originally, when Affordable Care Act was originally passed, um, lots of hospitals immediately started to lay off nurses. Do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. They started, like, downsizing. Yeah. Lots of, even local hospitals, they were, like, I mean, nurses were getting pink slips left and right because they were for fear that because every yes, everybody now has this low costing insurance that it would affect the bottom line for hospitals. Of course, we eventually realized it didn't. And so a lot of people (laughs) were rehired or went elsewhere to find jobs. Mm -hmm. And so um, to answer his question about how do we feel that it will will affect nurses and doctors, I don't think I think it will be a positive impact because clearly and sadly, healthcare is a business. Mm-hmm. And so if more people have health care insurance, then again, some context. <laughs> I don't know what 45's health care is going to look like, mm-hmm. but I can just speak to if we continue with the same theme of a so, kind of a socialized health care system, then it's going to bring more people. 
And so, but he thinks or his goal is to like get rid of the Affordable Care Act altogether and write something completely different, different sure, which has been insufficient clearly because it can't get through Congress. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I feel like I didn't remember that, and now I'm thinking back, like, okay, mm-hmm. I remember kind of around that time, like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Some Indianapolis hospitals they did cut a lot mm-hmm. of staffing and then like take away incentives that were previously in place because they were afraid of their budgeting mm-hmm. and yada yada yada. I feel like on the patient side, it's going to be very instrumental because they, they're saying that it's, um, what, 20 million people who won't be covered or more under what um, 45 is trying to employ as a part of our healthcare system. And from my own personal experience or my own personal opinion, I feel like he every move that he's make has been, made has been strategic and setting up his own family and friends for financial gain. And so I can only guess that this is going to be more of the same and definitely no different. And it's not going to benefit the greater good, which is what former President Obama, I feel like, really had at heart and mind, along with the Senate and Congress, to get that done. So I fear that there's going to be, you know, less health care out there provided um, less services provided under whatever coverage people do have. And one big thing is birth control. And, you know, so that's been one thing that they've slashed almost right away or talking about getting rid of. We don't know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the truth of it. We can speculate. And I feel like things in our mind are always different than the reality. But this is a case where it might actually be true. Like what's happening in our mind might actually be as bad Mm -hmm. as what's happening in reality if you're telling me that you know this new healthcare socialized medicine situation is going to rip coverage away from 20 million americans i don't see that going in any other positive light than what we already have um i agree with the fact that it should be amended you know and um former president obama always said that like this is just the first thing and the I don't first know. Draft. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know anything that's been perfect on a first round out that people hadn't decided, okay, we there's some tweaks or things like that we can do to this to make it better. And so I don't understand why they're using this they're why they're not using this as a skeleton other than the fact that it was constructed and put in play by a black man. And so they're, you know, intentionally intentionally trying to undermine this and erase his whole footprint on government or whatever Mm -hmm. or memory in American politics. So that's frustrating for me, but I just don't see it um, ending up well. I kind of think that it'll be hard for him to take it out out of the hands of the American people, right? Like, it'll be hard to do that, to completely take it away. What I honestly think they're going to, he's going to be able to pass is um, raising the cost Mm -hmm. of it, which will then take Take it out out of the hands hands. of the American Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, if Make it's not it affordable. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be able to take it away because we've seen such good impact of it. I mean, lots of our like healthy people goals, we've seen an increase or a decrease. Let me get it together. <laughs> we are closer to reaching the goals, mm-hmm. I feel, as a result of the Affordable Care Act because more people have access to insurance. So then they're able to go and get that preventative care we always talk about or go get their meds to do whatever and lose weight because they have the guidance of a physician and so we're closer to those goals I think as a result of the Affordable Care Act but if we take it all away and so I think because of that he won't be able to take it away Mm -hmm. but he can make it where it's not attainable 
Yeah, I think to kind of answer like the last part of the question to say like what will happen with those people that don't have health care and how it ends up affecting like the doctors and nurses, I think it would put a lot of inappropriate strain on like the emergency departments sure. and things like that mm-hmm. because you take away, like Ryan was saying, you take away people's ability to have the preventative measures and to have like to see the specialty doctors and get these things handled Mm -hmm. so you're ending up with people in the emergency department with these chronic illnesses that have gotten out of control then these people then go inpatient they're Mm -hmm. staying way longer and so I think it would in a sense they think that they're going to be saving money by taking health care away from people but I think it would actually cost them more because these people would stay in the hospital longer you're going to have bigger bills to try to figure out all of this stuff at once in the hospital they can't leave they're sicker because they come in so sick because they waited because they can't afford it and I think it in kind of like a lay person's terms it's like yeah if we just take away the health care then that makes sense we're saving money right here but it's not down the road well it may save money for one yeah. party but it costs somebody else more and Correct. so you're exactly right and so it takes the it's just it's like transferring energy mm-hmm. right so it transfers the government doesn't yes. have a, to, to pay their part right for the inner for the um the the insurance however it affects the bottom line of whatever hospital these people are finding themselves in the er right for mm-hmm. the er visit because that's an expensive visit and if they don't have insurance I mean, you can't get blood from a turnip. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who, who eats Insurance that cost? So, exactly. American. It affects mm-hmm. the bottom line of the hospital. And then that could affect jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they need nurses, if they can't afford to pay them, mm-hmm. they're going to have to leave. And so then, yeah, it's a total ripple effect. But then the government could be happy, right? They right. get to pocket that money for them. But then it, it affects the community, essentially. That's yeah, crazy. We're both like, yeah. Well, well I just had like, never thought, I mean, now that we're talking mm-hmm. through it, I had never even talked through it this mm-hmm. far to mm-hmm. really get a, it's a, a different view. The problem with all of these companies, though, or, you know, lawmakers, lobbyists, and things like that, is that they have a personal interest. So the cost is never going to fall on them. It's always going to be in the hands or lap of the American population and, you know, people who are paying taxes. And that is the issue. Like, again, you can't take blood from a turnip. Our national debt is, what, like something trillion dollars. <laughs> and I don't foresee it ever being at zero, um, but mostly I feel like that's by design. Of course, you know. I was like, of course it is. And I was like, and too, I was like, whenever you're talking about insurance, even for the people, I mean, when you have people that don't have it, the people that do have it are going to suffer. Like you said, Mm -hmm. the costs are going to go up. So then the providers, this is another effect on them, they're going to be forced to provide like more information for like why I wanted this CT scan. Mm -hmm. And then if the insurance company is like, well, I didn't think that was adequate, they won't pay for it. Right. And then so you're you're prolonging like being able to find out when something is happening early on Mm because you're trying to prove it to the the insurance companies and things like that. So basically, (laughs) if it ended up happening, it would be disastrous, probably not right away, but the effects of it would not be good. Yeah. Is kind of what I'm gathering from everyone's um, kind of thoughts there. So next question it says, I've been noticing the rising blatant disrespect of black women by black men 
even to the tone of black men placing uh, white men, women on a pedestal and saying, looking how like the white woman is treating them. Your thoughts about this, if you aren't scared. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't scared. I'll take that one first. <laughs> so I was talking with one of my coworkers recently about how I really didn't understand when people would say, oh, you know, you want to wear your hair straight or you want to have a relaxer or blonde hair or, you know, blue eyes, contacts, whatever that is. I never perceived that as being an act of self-hate until recently. And so now I can kind of understand that. And so when this question comes up, that's the first thing that comes to my mind about black men um, bashing black women and then raising white women as if they will not birth black women you know, or black men, or as if they were not birthed from black women. And so I see it as an act of self-hate, just because our society is designed to elevate whiteness or make that the standard of beauty more pretty, it's more acceptable, it's more palatable. And so that's kind of frustrating for me because I'm like, at the end of the day, are you serious, sir? Like, you don't think that your blackness is inevitably going to slap you in the face and permeate all of your cells and all of that stuff, you know? So it's always really puzzling to me to hear black men speak so dangerously, especially in a public forum about black women specifically. And I've been one that I'm like, preference is preference. If you prefer white women, cool, whatever. You know, I don't like that. I don't think that that's cool. But if that's your preference, then okay, cool. But it always does seem to partner with a bashing of black women. And so I'm like, if you want a white woman, date a white woman, why then do you have to take it a step further and talk crazy about a black woman as if people who you love are not exactly what you're speaking of. And then, you know, when that's brought up, there's always some kind of caveat. Oh, I ain't talking about my mama, but... You know what I'm saying? I'm like, but in essence, you are talking about your mama. In essence, you are talking about, you know, mama, grandma, whoever, big mama. You are talking about your daughter, you know. And so I don't see how men don't see that as an act of self-hatred. Like, you're not really, you're hurting the community as a whole on a grand scale, but you're really hurting yourself because it's just broadcasting your lack of acceptance of who you are at the core and, you know, who you won't ever be different from. Like, you're always going to be a black man. So that to me is puzzling and frustrating at the same time. But mostly I'm just real curious about it. I um, agree with you. I will second the fact that I do not necessarily... It's not my favorite thing to know that black men prefer to date outside of their race, especially when it's, like you said, partnered with the bashing of black women. However, I've gotten to the place where I can accept it. I don't have to understand it, but I can accept it. I can respect it. Because that's you. (laughs) (laughs) What I have a big problem with is the bashing part. especially in a public forum, like you just said. I just had a conversation with somebody about the way he addresses black women on social media. And so his, you know, I said, I just don't feel like any any public platform is the place. In my Mm -hmm. mind, I feel like, you know, that's house, that's house Mm -hmm. business. Like you, Mm -hmm. you don't put our business out in in public, in the streets. And so I, and so he, his, his argument was that, you know, he addresses certain things, flaws, whatever he sees 
in black women because in his 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 in his defense he said that he feels that black women we don't see ourselves as how great we really are and so I think in his mind he feels it as like a challenge to us Mm -hmm. he doesn't see it as bashing he doesn't see it as being degrading Mm -hmm. or disrespectful and so I told him I said you know that's fine I'm cool with that part I'm not cool with the way that you do it I just don't feel I would never get on a social platform a public platform and say anything negative about anybody. Where you know you have black. a shared audience. Where I know I don't just have black followers. And that's what I told mm-hmm. him. I said, because you don't just have black followers. If you did, maybe that's fine. If you're in a, a private group or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just don't even do it. I, even even in like some of my professional groups on Facebook, where it's, like you said, a shared space. It's a private group, but it's like my professional group. And if I will never disagree with a black lactation consultant in those groups, I just won't. Not in the group. Because we have a hard time setting up for ourselves anyway and like not being shot down by some of our um our um peers and so i will never do it i might send you a pm like help me understand this but i'll mm-hmm. never do it in public and because i just think it's it's home business like mm-hmm. we do that <laughs> that's yeah, like dinner table that. conversation yeah. and so i agree i just really have a hard time digesting that i really have a hard time watching black men have these conversations or make these generalizing statements about black women especially particularly in a, in a public platform I just really have a hard time with it because it almost to me sometimes some of the things that they say if I were a white follower especially if I was racist or closet bigot or whatever it would confirm yeah it would validate and confirm everything that I thought I knew about black people anyway see and then if you say it as a black man mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who has more, you know, credibility than you? In my mind, as to a white person, mm-hmm. nobody has more credibility about you than you. You talk about your own people that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you. I, that's just I. I have a hard time with it. I really do, and I see it unfortunately way more than I would even like to. I see it a lot, and not just among what we might consider to be the uneducated. Oh no! You know what I'm saying this like, guy I'm talking about is educated, brilliant, very smart. Mm-hmm. Or, but you know, bourgeois black people like to be like, "Oh, that's not our problem." Kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like they get real um, dignified about the issues that are pertinent to them and what don't really apply to them because that's a different class thing, and that's going into a whole different conversation. But yeah, the public forum is like it's like nails on a chalkboard for me what about you too um i think there's a lot of pieces to this particular (laughs) question it's quite loaded i mean when you look at the type of man that would spew hate on someone that looks like him just to lift up someone else i mean clearly there's issues with that man to begin with absolutely we don't want him Mm -hmm. so anyway (laughs) and you know we don't want him anyway that's right and good luck to her who Mm -hmm. ends up with you are absolutely Mm -hmm. right because let things (laughs) we don't want him (laughs) hashtag (laughs) we don't want him you win (laughs) but i mean i think there's a lot of pieces to this because then sometimes you get this man who will degrade the black woman. So then this woman that he's with, who isn't black, feels like then she can then look at her Absolutely. Because, and so then they're now going to have a child who is confused Mm -hmm. because this child is both. And so he's, he or she is going to grow up and be like, I don't know how to think about myself. Myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because 
Because like, I look pretty brown when I look in the mirror. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. that's the part that I think is unfortunate because whether you feel that way about black women or not, of course, you've got a 50% chance of producing one. So what are you going to tell your daughter when you spew these types of things about black women? So I definitely think that's a factor in how the, the man is viewed, of course. Nobody want him. And mm-hmm. then that's the woman true. herself that he's with. And I, the issue about how the white woman treats him, I've heard this brought up before. And I always think it's funny because I feel like these types of men are like the same type of man where we don't want to do for you what this particular person is doing for you because of the way you treat people. I think it's all about like a mutual respect. If you're not respecting me, I'm not going to go that extra mile for you and do all of these extra things if you don't respect me. And I feel like a lot of times that is left out of the equation when it's comparing a black woman to a white woman and what we'll do for this essentially a bad man anyway. And they want somebody to treat them like they're this king when they act like a pop just yeah like just a terrible person in general mm-hmm. it's like you don't deserve that treatment mm-hmm. that's true so i think i think when these types of people say these types of things it's it's pretty much laughable but it's unfortunate that they're projecting this you know back into society and it's circulating back around so yeah that's that's the black man i he can go Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, we don't need them. That's uh-huh. right. yeah. Rufus so. will call them casualties of war. You know, like you can't win them all. Yeah. There are going to be some people who you just can't convince that their way of thinking is not progressive <laughs> and is um, destructive to the black community. And I think what's frustrating for me is that these are the same men who will have these standards for black women. And then, in essence, lower their standards for anyone outside of their community. And so I've seen it firsthand. You know, white women talk crazy to their black men or whatever it is. And these men just dote on them and do all of these things that they're not even willing to do for a black woman. And you like because or, they see it as they want a prize. Yeah, and so or, they're willing yeah, to. It's like the forbidden fruit thing. Mm-hmm. It goes, you know, if I got this, then I've attained some level of acceptance or whiteness in this community that's run by white people. And that to me is like the really infuriating part that you can pick a white woman who, and no shade, you know, who don't look like nothing, who's on my six hundred pound life. Oh no. You know shade, shade. <laughs> I'm just shade. I'm just, no. I'm justifiable just shade. <laughs> I'm just I saying. Agree. You can pick a woman who's not a black woman, who does not look like anything, who isn't about her business, who doesn't care as much, who's not going to challenge you. You know those at least sorts get you of a things. Bad one. <laughs> at, least at least get you a bad get one. Get you here. one who a black woman could look at and be like, okay, I see why you picked her. You know, and so it's those guys who are the first in line. And that's my problem. I'm like, bitch, you ain't got to be the first in line if there's any kind of conversation about your sister. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who looks like your mother. Why are you first in line? Because they have like, oh, wait, I got this. Because they are broken. Yeah. Broken and I mean, people. I've heard too multiple times that like, black there are there's a such thing as a black white supremacist you know because black people have 
Yes, because yeah. black people have stock in the community, so to speak. They got some skin in the game. So surely, like what Ryan said, surely when they talk, it's valid. Mm-hmm. Like, ain't nobody going to go hard. Can't nobody go harder against the black community than somebody who's black. That's true. And it's just, it's it's hurtful. It's, it's really hurtful, I think. Like you said, I feel like there's, like, the different types of men that do it. But I think where the sting comes from, when it's kind of like the guy, like Ryan said, that's someone that's been to college, blah, blah, blah. They are educated. They are smart. And then they spew these things. Mm-hmm. Like, the people that are, like, just, they don't have kind of that same sting because it's like they don't have the same Impact. level of influence yeah. when they say these things. So, yeah, I do think yeah. that that part does play a big piece, too. But yeah. at the end of the day, like Rufus said, you win some, lose some casualties of war. Mm-hmm. Bing! Yeah. Next. <laughs> now, let me ask you all this, though. Let me ask Bye-bye. you all this. So, we talked a, bit, a little bit about um, how we first. feel. Yes. How do you all feel when it's the black woman who she is dating outside too. of her race? Do you it, still feel the same level of unacceptance though do you still feel like does it still pain you when you look at a black woman with a, a white man the same way it does when you see a does that make sense do you still feel the same way when you see it I mean to me uh like with my sister she's dating someone that's outside of her race mm-hmm. I don't really feel the pain with it to me the only pain comes is when you feel like you have to bash your own race okay. to validate why mm-hmm. you're doing what you I think that people the way we're made we're also mixed up anyway you can have a preference for somebody that doesn't look like you yeah cool yeah but i don't feel like you need to bash the people that you came from to be like this is why i like this person just like them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like them love them Mm -hmm. procreate Mm -hmm. make beautiful kids everybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you don't have to bash your own people but i do notice that there is a little bit more of a sting when it's the woman for some point I don't know why. Like, I feel like there's more backlash on the woman that dates outside of her race, the black woman. Ooh, I feel like she received that like, from well, society. Yeah. 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 But the black man, I feel like he's lifted up. Ah. And so I, who do you feel like she's getting backlash from? From her own community? Yeah. From outside? I feel like it's from her community and then also the right. white community okay. as mm-hmm. well. But I feel like the black man is almost like, oh, yeah, you got you one. Mm-hmm. And all this. Assembled. And it's like, why? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that has to do with all the pieces that we always talk about all the time, why the black woman is degraded and made mm-hmm, yes. a certain way so it, she doesn't seem to be as the prize that we know we are. So it's like hair flip. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't have the same feeling. I do feel like, oddly enough, I feel like most of the time it is an educated black woman who has achieved some sort of status by societal standards. And so I'm always going to feel like, mm, that's black wealth going outside of our community. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's one thing. But the second thing is, and maybe it's just me because I am a black woman and my opinion is slanted. Mm-hmm. I feel like black women ride and die for black men. And it takes a whole hell of a lot for a black woman to be like, you know what, just bug it. I'm about to go get me a white man or whoever. And there are black men who will disagree with me, mine specifically, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've seen it so many times where black women are run over, dogged out, um, degraded on a regular basis for sport, not even for any particular purpose. And none of us wins at the end of the day. 
when that's the case. But for black women, they'd be like, all right, well, I done dated the educated one, the thug, the blue collar worker, the white collar worker, the you know conscious brother, <laughs> yeah, the, the conscious brother, the rapper, <laughs> the, the dope dealer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I done dated them all, and I still haven't been able to find love. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with black women, it's usually a last ditch effort of let me try and find love and be happy. Mm. Um, whereas with black men, it's usually this prize, forbidden fruit kind of dynamic, you know, where, okay, I got me a white woman, so I have, I have arrived. Definitely a loaded question. As usual. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> layers and layers to that. Yeah, definitely. And we have a lot of work within our community to try and... Um, right those wrongs that we do against one another because we commit so much harm and injury against one another that the scars are are always being reopened and we have to commit like as a community not to injure further but to be healers another loaded one coming up (laughs) (laughs) fyi get ready um so this one um is talking about post-traumatic slave syndrome Um, And it says, do you believe it is affecting our youth? I know this is a broad question, but do your best. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that do your best at the day. Yeah. Yeah. These are tough. (laughs) Yes, our inbox was jumping, huh? Of course it affects our youth. I mean, we are all still affected by post-traumatic slave syndrome. Um, I think we've talked before about how trauma can actually change your DNA. And then you pass it on. So we will forever be affected by post-traumatic slave syndrome. Of course, <laughs> if you're not aware of that, you don't realize that that's what's going on. And I think, honestly, this speaks to the conversation we just had about disconnect between black men and mm-hmm. black women. It all comes back from slavery. And we weren't this way when <laughs> we were in our home um, continent. We were not this way. And so our community as a whole, black American people as a whole, have been affected and we continue to be affected. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection, a lot of healing, um, lots of conversations like this so that people can start to have um, think outside of the box. We all just live our day-to-day life and we see ourselves in our circumstance and we don't realize that we're not our circumstance. And so when we talk about the youth and how the youth are um, <laughs> spiraling out of control, <laughs> um, a lot of it is as a result of that. I mean, I think there are other factors that come into play. One is women having to work and not being in the home as much to have their hands on their children and take um, as, uh, as much of a part as I think most women would want to in raising their children. Life is busy. And any, even if you are a stay-at-home mom, I think sometimes stay-at-home moms are busier because you're home and then you want to do this and that and sports and activities and all this stuff. Um, life just seems to be moving faster, right? Time mm-hmm. seems to be speeding, speeding up. up. Yeah. And so I think there are other factors. You know, of course, within the black community, a lot of times... Um, Dad is not in the home. I won't say most times because I know that's not true. That's a myth that they have taught told us mm-hmm. <laughs> about ourselves. But when you work with, with the community, you realize a lot of dads are in the home. Um, but if dad's not in the home, then that place is another. I mean, that's another factor, which, again, 
we can wrap it back right around to post-traumatic slave syndrome and how the families were divided and Mm -hmm. separated and torn apart and so I for certain yeah on purpose because they didn't care by design they knew what that would do to the black community and our strength and presence within this world and yes absolutely so for sure (laughs) there is no question about the fact that um, the youth the women the men the grandparents Mm -hmm. all of us are 100% affected because it's in our DNA it's wrapped up twirled up wound up in our DNA as we sit here and live and breathe. Yeah, um, that was what immediately came to my mind. I'm like, not just the youth, all of us. You know, we all bear the scars. And um, Dr. Joy DeGroy, I don't even know if I'm saying her name right, but she does lectures, and I have a book of hers actually right here, um, about post-traumatic slave syndrome. And it talks about basically the textbook definition of trauma or PTSD, what we would think you know in the traditional sense post-traumatic what is it (laughs) I don't even know what it is stress disorder thank you Tiffany (laughs) but it talks about that and then speaks of the things that happened as a result of Africans being enslaved in this country and not just slavery but American shadow slavery was different from what was practiced in other countries so yeah we definitely still bear the scars of the things that have happened um, to break down the black community within this country but that was all by design like um, taking away our names and our native tongue and whatever spiritual or religious practices we had and forcing us to do something different okay so whatever that would have been Um, But I'll take it a step further and say it's not just that that is affecting us and our youth. There is not a place on this earth, on God's green earth, that white supremacy has not touched. And so it would be very naive to say that these things abound just in the United States. You know what I'm saying? Or wherever we are because you can go to Africa or you can go to Arab nations and these people are clearly black they have black skin but they do each and everything that they can to distance themselves from the continent and from being associated with um, African heritage or roots are you done with your thought I didn't want to cut you off no it's okay I was just going to say so yeah you know we're affected I um, have two thoughts. One, Uh to continue, I was thinking about outside the United States too, but I want to flip it a little bit and talk about how a lot of, um, so, you know, like during the transatlantic, the transatlantic slave trade, um, they had like slave fortresses in a lot of those islands. Mm -hmm. That's how a lot of Africans got to the islands because Mm -hmm. they were stopped there. It was a stop, a pit stop. I mean, nobody Mm -hmm. drove across the entire Atlantic. They would meet halfway, right, Mm -hmm. at different islands along the way. However, I feel like the sense of community that the um, African people who landed there and stayed there have is something that's totally different than what black Americans have been able to um, design or to come come up with. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but to also pull in on a rope (laughs) um, um, Jim Crow. Jim Crow and how even though slavery because we could say you know post-traumatic Jim Crow syndrome Mm -hmm. and post-traumatic racism 
in America. I mean, it's just, it never ends. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, yes, yeah, slavery's over. But then after we were, I'm doing air quotes here, y'all, free. Right. We were not free indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay? We were not free indeed. And we can still see um, evidence, right, and dust of that now with all of the hatred that is being spewed and all of the nonsense and all of the police now, I mean, we can go down a, a mm-hmm. rabbit hole right there, but I just want to say that it it's not just slavery because mm-hmm. other people who were a part of that transatlantic slave trade, even though they have been touched by white supremacy and racism um, because it wasn't ongoing for them in some of those islands in particular I'm thinking about, they were able to develop a sense of community that we still haven't been able to build, I feel like. And... Um, I and can't I help but to think about Jim Crow. I wonder, too, if that has to do with a lot of those particular places were a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And I feel like here, everyone, I mean, it did, did start in, like, certain spaces, but then everybody got pushed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, near, far, and wide. And then I feel like some little places were able to kind of start stuff and, like, the Black Wall Streets and things like that when they were able to pull Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Great Migration is a good example of that, too. When when black people started to move north Mm -hmm. from the south, Mm -hmm. lots of amazing communities were happening Mm -hmm. in the north, too. So, yes, but I still think we have a long way to go. And and, and a lot of that has been continued continually torn down yeah. right yes. by Design. Jim Crow yeah. and by racism and structural racism mm-hmm. so it's hard to maintain it it's like we can build it but it's hard to sustain it mm-hmm. in order to grow so that our children can start to heal mm-hmm. um, and you know exhibit some resiliency I um, would venture to say that um, in islands they still bear the same cross that we do I think in they connection do. you know and I don't know that it's easier because they have the same um, dynamic setup where during slavery times there was this whole mulatto thing where, you know, the woman was raped by the slave master or whoever and created this different quote unquote class of people who then thought they were better. And so like perfect example would be Dominican Republic and Haiti who live on the same landmass. But they still have the same infighting where Dominicans think, we ain't black, we Dominican, but they fucking black. You know what I'm saying? They are black people and Haitians are like the quote unquote red haired stepchild, but they're the same people. The only difference is a stop or whatever it is. And so I think they fall victim too to the same barriers and borders of connection or lack thereof that keep us separated as a race that all originated from the continent of Africa. It's everywhere. No, I agree. I don't think that it's easier. And I do I do agree that colorism is everywhere. Um, but I'll, let's also consider the fact that there were Native people on those islands mm-hmm. living long before slaves were ever there. And so a lot of that culture and a lot of that um, division could be native to the land you know what I'm saying like same way is that way in Africa two countries may fight against each other not because they may think that one is better than the other you know um the Tutsis and the um 
what is it? That's who season I can't think of it. But anyway, they and Rwanda, right? It happened Mm -hmm. in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the Hutus and the Tutsis. There we go. Mm -hmm. They remind me of that. They're living in the same thing, but that's native Mm -hmm. to their lands. I don't know. I can't say it is for sure. Here's my thing. It goes back so far. I don't know what's native and what's not. What you mean? It's like... Like, who was there first? Well, not who was there first, but there's all these stories about how European settlers end up going into Africa and kind of infusing their way of doing things. Mm -hmm. They're fighting against one another and kind of sowing this discord on purpose. Now, that's true. And so who knows if that is native to the land or if that was injected. That's true. By somebody else. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Especially on an island, like I said, this is a land mass that you share. It's two separate com- countries because you called it that, sure. pretty much. It's one island. And so, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But there's vastly different experiences mm-hmm. on both sides. Yeah. Which is just, that's unfathomable to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this don't make sense. How y'all looking at y'all's brown, dark-ass skin and think you're not black? Panamanians are the same way. You know, you could pick out any kind of... Um, either South America or whatever it is, any kind of country, island or whatever, there are African influences there long before anything ever showed up from European settlers or colonizers. I should call them not settlers, colonizers. I've also recently learned that a lot of places, <laughs> they're not taught about the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I have a coworker who her husband is... Um, from I can't think I don't want to say it wrong but he's from a Latin American country and he when he came here and all the white privilege and equity and black this and that he had no idea so she had to explain it to him he had no idea about slavery he had no idea about the hate that one may feel from the color of their skin he had no idea and so maybe those people who are looking at somebody saying I'm not black you like <laughs> because maybe they don't know their history maybe mm-hmm. they don't know that they were transplanted mm-hmm. on that damn island right maybe mm-hmm. they think their skin color is dark because they live so much closer to the equator they don't mm-hmm. connect it to their mm-hmm. roots in Africa now let's be very 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 clear all of y'all came from every single land. body <laughs> <laughs> alright yeah. yes. let's clear that up and there's people fast. on the continent now though who yeah. are disconnected I had a patient just recently this was probably last month where we have to put the race on the bands for whatever reason statistical purposes um, but whatever and it was other and I'm looking at these people and they could be my family and I was like these people black what are we talking about and I have an orientee with me at the time that was from Liberia. And she was just like, oh, well, they're from, I don't know, I forget which, South Congo or something. I don't remember exactly where they were from. But she was like, oh, they're from Northern Africa, and they don't consider themselves to be black. Yeah, that's and so true. that's what I mean about, like, this whole white supremacist thing where the, you know, the lighter you are, the more disconnected you are to, like, you are on the continent literally they consider themselves to be more middle eastern of course but they're and they're not even in the middle east and i would africa i would say that's not i mean of course we generalizing here let's (laughs) let's set (laughs) out a, uh, (laughs) a disclaimer we are totally generalizing because i have met people 
from Northern Africa who said mm -hmm. they were from Africa. They said they were African. When I asked, mm -hmm. you know, where are you all from? Mm -hmm. Africa? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are some countries. I guess it depends on where you're mm -hmm. from and what the influence, again, right. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Layers. It gets deep. Yeah. <laughs> it gets deep. Okay, sorry. Like we a, went off on all kinds yeah. of tangents. <laughs> I was like, all it, relevant tangents, I was though. like, they were all relevant. Um, but I think, I, like, a lot of that depends on the individual person. I, I do think that probably this post-traumatic slave syndrome does affect the youth, but I do want to highlight that the youth today are relatively resilient, just like they mm -hmm. have been in each generation. I was like, the youth today are doing awesome things. There's very smart um, kids and teens that have been highlighted to be in like the forefront of some even research. And I've, you see these kids that they're like graduating college early and they've got these degrees and things like that. So I don't, I don't want all of the yeah, there's negative influence, but I do want to say that with all of that, that suffering that has gone on, like people are resilient Absolutely. and we prosper still. Mm -hmm. And so somehow even, <laughs> I was like, with all of that stuff, there's mm -hmm. still kids that, and youth. And I would consider us youth too, because yeah. come through, youth too. because come we're youthful. You. Hey, mm -hmm. we are youth. youthful too. And I feel <laughs> like we're not elders just yet. I know y'all like to call me an elder, but we're, I'm not there just yet. Right. And so we are youthful as a people and I feel like we have done great things and we continue to do great things despite all this stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I just I always like to highlight the positive so I, I like to push that That's that good. even mm -hmm. though this stuff is going on and all this kind of turmoil and things to, to keep people down people are doing great stuff still mm -hmm. um so that will kind of I guess wrap up no that was a good finish because I mean yeah People are still doing good stuff. Lots and, of people. And because um, it's always like the older generation looks down on the yeah. the millennials, however you generation like to call X. us, mm -hmm. and, and say that, you know, we aren't holding our weight or we're not contributing the way that they did. But mm -hmm. I feel like we are. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like we got a lot, a lot to push through with. with so Yeah. We inherited their baggage. So And then we're dealing with our own set of issues. I can appreciate so how there's so much visibility now around, like what Ryan said earlier, equity, equality, racism, white supremacy. Like, those are not four-letter words anymore. Everybody's not just holding back. Those are actually on the forefront and conversations that are being had to make a shift in our society and the way we experience the world as people of color specifically black people so I'm grateful for that and that these young folks are not a, they ain't scared <laughs> like on the end of that email talk about this if you ain't scared young folk ain't scared of nothing no they're not scared to push through they're not afraid to say what needs to be said I mean I think that was evidence in Virginia mm -hmm. on that college campus what? I mean, the, the, the Charlottesville thing yeah oh okay I didn't know that that happened on a college campus. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It happened on a college campus. Yes. Thankfully, I was off the grid when all of that went down, so yeah. I kind of missed some of the hairy details as they were Girl, you had me scared. Like, am I... Did I dream that? Like, I was so... Mm -hmm. I'm like, the no, whole world no. knows about this, okay? No, I wasn't <laughs> around. Yeah. So, yeah, what when happened? I imagine my feelings when I got back home on Monday or Tuesday, whatever day I came home and I was like, what is happening? And it was all this, you know, clutches, pearls and gasping from white people about you know, what is happening with our fellow white people pretty much? I'm like, gather your damn relatives. This is not yes, something man. new. Meanwhile, black you people saw your husband like, okay. get on that damn plane with that damn <laughs> tiki going? torch. <laughs> saw his ass leave. 
Don't act like you shot. The irony of a tiki torch. Girl, okay. <laughs> but we hate people of color. Okay. Y'all out here embarrassing y'all stuff. Okay. We're not going to speak about those idiots. Mm-hmm. Because that was just, it was so dumb. But a lot of people, I mean, people lost their lives, you know. They did. And, and so I think, and but, but to go back to they ain't skirt, those students were standing up. Can you imagine you're in your dorm and then you hear through the grapevine or the pipe down the pipeline that this is about to happen or it is happening on your campus and you drop every damn thing and go and stand up to these people? I mean, that, that, they Mentally skirt. ill. Yeah. Uh, next question is going to kind of come back a little bit <laughs> to the healthcare part of things. Um, this question is asking kind of, it looks like kind of, I think we answered this a little bit before. So kind of why black people don't go to the doctor. But mm-hmm. then also it's asking why when you do go to the doctor, you have to go to additional doctors. This one says like 5,000 more doctors <laughs> to just kind of figure out what exactly is going on with you. Um, I can't remember exactly. I feel like we did touch on the black like people not going to the doctor yeah. part, but the specialty part. Um, we talked. We we have talked a little bit about referrals and specialists mm-hmm. before. Tell me where to go. We that, talked mm-hmm. about that shift, and then we talked about probably what you won't do as far as going to the doctor and getting primary care and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we can touch on it real quick. Like black people have a long history as far as physicians the medical field and things like that and trust and there's a grave amount of mistrust amongst black people or the black community and um, the medical system here in this country because of institutional racism and the way things have been practiced. Um, So that is a valid concern. The fear around that is all valid. Um, It seems irrational, but if you start to talk about trauma and how things are passed down in our genes and then the perpetuation of those sorts of fears throughout family circuits, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as going to 5,000 specialists (laughs) to get a clear diagnosis, anybody else want to jump in on that one? Um, Yeah. You want to go ahead? No, you go ahead, Tiffany. Um, I've been talking a lot. (laughs) I think the specialist, I think the frustrating part about the specialist is the amount of time. Um, you go to your primary care doctor, they say, hey, I need to get you in with a specialist. Well, that specialist can't see anybody for two to three months. Mm-hmm. And then so you're sitting there still trying to find out exactly what's wrong with you while you're having whatever symptoms, just trying to get to the specialist. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when you get to the specialist, the it wasn't resolved. Or... The problem's gone, or that's not the specialist you needed to see. Mm-hmm. So now you got to see another one. So it's the same cycle of madness, and it's taking a long time. Um, I think the problem, again, comes back to unfortunately the insurance infrastructure and things like that and people not being able to pay the people that are being able to pay their insurance doesn't think that this is needed you need this first or you need this test first and it's all just very frustrating because all the while the person's still ill and so I think what needs to happen is there of course needs to be more physicians there needs to be more staff like with everything that's Mm -hmm. always a problem we don't have enough people to get the stuff done But also, I think with the insurance companies, there needs to be some type of leniency on, hey, this person's been suffering with this for this amount of time already. Can we not push them through? Like, let the, like, I wish sometimes the insurance companies were human. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, just be understanding how it feels to be that person with Sick. a GI bleed, mm-hmm. wanting to see the GI doctor, having to wait two to three months, bleeding from the rectum. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane yeah. to want somebody to wait that long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know the quick fix for that, unfortunately. Besides having a bomb doctor that could do it all, but yeah. that doesn't really exist very often all the time. And you know, and then it you know, it gets really even more challenging when you're in when your network oh, <laughs> is yeah. broken. Oh yeah. And so I mean <laughs> didn't I didn't even think about in or outside a network. Yeah, I was like, Ugh. So just try to stupid. stay on top of it. I mean, you know, no you're in charge of your own care, the same way we always talk about you can't pour from an empty picture. You can also not live and take care of nobody else if you're not well. So your health is your responsibility and so even though the process may be difficult to navigate. You still got to navigate it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got to go to a doctor and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you with this. You need to go to this kind of doctor. You know, just try to <laughs> hang in there because once you are once you figure out the problem, you get to the right place, you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. I think, you'll too, what you um, people have to be realistic in what they're expecting. Like, you're going to a physician who is another human being, okay? We are not God, and I (laughs) addressed this some other time. And so when you have a million and one symptoms, they're either not detailed enough or just very vague and broad. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it may take a few times for you to go to the doctor or go to different specialists to figure out what the diagnosis is. Mm -hmm. And even then, we don't have all the answers you know, sometimes you're just not going to know. You mm-hmm. know, there's ideal in labor and delivery where moms lose pregnancies or babies die. We don't always have the answers as to what caused that. You know, and unfortunately, it can be a long and drawn out process, but that's just what it is when you're dealing with a human sort of run system where people are guessing and trying to get you the care that you need. So, yeah, especially if your symptoms are something like nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, (laughs) which can come with a a plethora of different causes. You know, those symptoms are very vague. And then trying to pin down, you know, what you did and whatever. So it's a collaborative effort between the patient and physician to try and get you a diagnosis that's actually accurate in a meaningful amount of time. It can just be hard. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and definitely, like you said, it is helpful to kind of come with, like, the best explanation of your symptoms. Like, I don't know when this started, or I don't really know about, like, (laughs) try to give your doctor or healthcare provider, like, the best. Help me help you. Yeah. Oh God! Yes. <laughs> Help me bring the good information. Let's see. We got two more coming up. It looks like the last one we already touched on earlier, kind of with the black men, kind of the interracial topic. This one is discussing the same thing. They're seeing kind of more of the disrespect, kind of amongst the black men and black women, unfortunately. So the last question, I'll just kind of read it verbatim. Since, work, since my time working in the oncology department as a chemo infusion tech, I've come to understand the misunderstood information about pharmaceutical companies pushing chemo drugs for profit. I'm not saying that they don't, but there's a growing misunderstanding, especially by black folks, that the doctor just wants um, their patient to take the chemo so they can get paid. 
usually this type of um, gross information is spread via social media. She says, or they say that actually it's just the opposite. Most doctors inform their patients that chemo will not save you, but prolong your time that you have left with uh, your family and friends if your diagnosis is at a preventable stage. Um, besides that, there are a multitude of chemo drugs that aren't cytotoxic. So they want to know kind of our thoughts on chemo and misconceptions. Okay. We might want to define cytotoxic first. <laughs> to me, uh, in the simplest form, a cytotoxic drug is any drug that can cause harm to the cells of the body. And cells of the body are many different types of cells. You have the cells that make up your organs, hair cells, cells that help your eye to function. So pretty much from your head to your toes. Earth eye. Everything <laughs> is the simplest. And way the to reason put it. that's important is because, um, you know, chemo doesn't know which cells are bad, right? So when we talk about cytotoxic chemo, um, chemo has a tendency, it doesn't have a tendency, it does. It kills all the cells. I mean, clearly not all of the cells, but it, it can the kill some good ones. cells too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any ones that are fast growing, like like tumor cells are. So that's why that's important. I would say that it's really hard to not have a slanted opinion if you work in the healthcare field about what's best or whatever. And sometimes chemo from a, a care provider's position does seem like the best way to go, um, depending on the type of cancer that that practitioner is diagnosing or dealing with. Um, there are other traditional methods, or I'm sorry, non-traditional methods of treatment and things like that. But if you're talking about cancer, which is a bunch of cancer cells that is receiving blood and oxygen daily, the quickest way to attack them would be through something through your bloodstream to, you know, kind of converge on those cells and get rid of the, whatever that mass is or those bad cells. And it's not always the best option, but I find that usually it is presented as an option. Um, and I feel like a lot of times patients feel pressure to go with whatever the physician says because, well, you're the professional, you know. And in so many positions, I don't think that patients feel empowered to make whatever decision it is that they need to make, especially when you talk about something like cancer, which is very ominous, you know, within our society. And people always think the worst right away. I feel like it's an it's another tricky thing because especially just the pharmaceutical company does have a bad rap for things to be excessively priced um, and there's even just the discrepancy between is the brand name drug even better than the generic drug and I feel like with these medications a lot of times these are very expensive medications and then even the medications to continue to help like with the um just helping to keep that person their immune system strong those meds are expensive and it's so like the whole process mm -hmm. is really really expensive and it's like could you not have given me something else um, that would have been cheaper or something that's not as harmful for my body. And I feel like a lot of times there's just a lot of different factors with that. Of course, like this person mentioned with the various points of staging, depending on where they catch it, sometimes that is where they have to start. Um, but I feel like a lot of times too, healthcare providers could be a lot more empowered to give other options to say, hey, you may not want to start at this, 
but here's somewhere where you could start. These are kind of the benefits as far as I know, but I can give you to somebody else that knows more about it instead of just being like, hey, we're going to get you started with chemo and radiation mm -hmm. tomorrow. Um, I feel like sometimes people just don't like that pressure of being like, hey, this is this is all you got. Mm -hmm. Especially when those options are, like you said, they're very they're very powerful agents, and so there's a lot of kind of long lasting effects and things like that. So I, I think, think sometimes when you take away their autonomy, sorry, of, okay. when you take away the autonomy of being able to have multiple options, that is, I think a lot of times what makes patients hesitant, and then they question why was this option given first. Mm -hmm. I think, too, when you talk about big pharma and stuff like that, some people have the perception that if the doctor writes this specific prescription, then they're going to get a check for that. And that's not always the case. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially in a hospital setting, I just don't see that happening that way. Anything? I have nothing to add. It's a little bit close to home right now, so mm -hmm. I have nothing to add. Well, I, actually, I will add. No, I won't. Okay. I think you guys did a great job answering the question. <laughs> Sit this one out. <laughs> you got anything else? That that pretty much wraps it up for me. Alright, y'all. So we even cleared out our inbox. Ooh, and good God. Y'all <laughs> had a lot on y'all chest. Y'all had a lot of stuff y'all was bearing for oh, us to get stuff. back. Yeah, Man, right. Good conversations, though. Yes, very good conversations. This might be our longest shift that we've had in, like, forever. So, um, all right. So, we're going to go to our language lack. Language lack. <laughs> Somebody's out of practice looking at us like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, excuse me. I just read all the questions. <laughs> Right, so now it's time for our language lack. And this week, listen, y'all, we're going to talk about these nicknames that we love to give an actual diagnosis. And this week is going to be the Arthur. Okay, like, girl, I got the author. You know, it's raining. and I can't do nothing because the author is here. Uh -huh. The you know. Arthur? Yes. We talk about the book, the character? I mean, are we? <laughs> the angry we talking about? Yes. Right. <laughs> that, that is my face when I hear something like the Arthur. I'm like, oh, okay. Man, no. So, yeah, what's the right way to say it? Tell us. Arthritis. Arthritis. It's not arthritis either. <laughs> it's not arthritis. The it's Arthur, arthritis. Look, what you say? It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> Man, I did see this meme once, and I wanted to post it, but I was like, okay, this is insensitive. It was like a photo of gang members, and you know how they do their hand signs or whatever, see. and it said rheumatoid arthritis convention. I was just like, oh, this is... <laughs> arthritis. Arthritis. Arthur. <laughs> Look at I don't think Arthur. I've heard people say arthritis, but I haven't people I haven't heard them just <laughs> leave the itis mm -hmm. off and mm -hmm. just Arthur. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like the sugar. You know. The sugar. Mm -hmm. That's the my sugar favorite sense, one. Though. Oh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> the Arthur? No. The Arthur. Don't make sense at all. My hip hurt. I got the Arthur. Got the Arthur. Mm -mm. Alright y'all, well We got one more thing to tell y'all Then we about to get up out of here Cause it's been long enough already And my and belly is yeah, hungry My belly is hungry too <laughs> <laughs> And so now We're gonna talk about Boom, 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 boom
Listen, y'all thought we forgot. She can still drop a beat. <laughs> hey. All right. So it's like this. What work we done? All right. So next episode, next shift. Next shift. What we talking about? Let's talk about sex, baby. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about okay. you and me. Go ahead, Let's talk about oh. all the good things Take and the bad things Ooh. that make me. Let's talk about sex. Mm, let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah, I'm feeling it. <laughs> We're doing a little boob, a little boob shimmy yes, into the mic. Mm, yeah. So next year we gonna come back talking about sex. Listen. We're gonna break this up in parts because there's so many things, so many things to discuss. So yeah, send us your emails and questions. Listen and all now, that stuff. <laughs> I just imagined the questions we may receive. Oh my goodness! About sex, but I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. All right, I'm ready too. Put y'all, Ish. Put I'm sure. Put your big, big girl Sorry. and boy underwear on. Mm-hmm. And let's get real. Let's discuss some things that you know may be burning questions. I mean, the <laughs> No pun intended. <laughs> Like, a burning question. I had, to, I had to shake it all up. Whoa, wait no, a minute. No, not burning. We talked that. about that already. Yes. You want the resistance. Yes. Mm, but yeah, send us your questions, concerns, whatever to Gmail. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Gmail. It is a Gmail. Right. It is. Guess the date at 705 at gmail.com. Also find us on Facebook at the same address, which is at get sedated 705. You can find us on Twitter at conscious underscore sedated and Instagram also. So hit us up. Send us some questions. We are so happy to be back. Did you guys miss us? Yay. We missed you. I missed you guys. I miss you guys too. Thank We're you. back at it. I'm so excited to be back. <laughs> Guess who's back? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So now y'all can get off of our damn back oh my God. about recording and where we went. So Hair flip. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we told y'all we was coming back. I, honestly, I think our break was we said we were going to, we were supposed to talk about work life balance. Mm-hmm. But us having a break was us living work life balance. We we gave a great example of work work life balance my by life being was off. a hot ass mess. So you, my, yeah, mine definitely was too. I didn't have a ton of balance until just recently because I this summer was very very busy for me. Yeah, and we just couldn't fit this piece in to all of the things that we had going on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. important to know when to say yeah. when. Yeah, mm-hmm. when to say when. We had a little um, internet presence still going on, so you guys didn't think we were completely done. So. Shout out to Tosh for keeping our social media <laughs> <laughs> active. I was like, that was all Tosh. Trying, trying. Wow. Trying, trying. Yeah, my life was definitely in shambles. Yes. Yeah, all right, y'all. It's been real. Thanks for listening. Hit us up. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.